Welcome to Tech Breakfast, today's top headlines served hot by your host Aaron Bewley and Tyler Gates. So grab your coffee and let's get into it. Well, hello. Welcome to the show. It's Wednesday, November 4th. How y'all feeling out there? Feeling good. Oh, wait. Yeah. Is it just... It's not y'all. It's it's just me because there's no Tyler. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was talking to the listeners, you know, hoping they just kind of pause and reflect. How are y'all feeling out there? I don't think they do that. Are y'all tired? Anyway. <laughs> cool. Well, I'm hyped. Russ is hyped. And uh, we just passed like 11,147 plays or something like that. I don't know. Woo! <laughs> we just celebrated hitting 10K. I still wake up every day wondering why y'all listen to us, but <laughs> here we are. Uh, and since you're here, and since we're here, if you don't mind, can I ask you for the 50% of y'all, the 49.8% of y'all that listen on the Apple podcast, can you just like scroll down real quick, hit that five star thing or four stars or three or whatever, but just, you know, so we have more ratings than I think nine. Uh, that would be awesome. Okay, cool. Well, let's get on with the show now that I said that, but on this day in history, couple fun facts for you like we normally do. 1847, the year, 1847. Mm -hmm. Sir James Young Simpson, a Scottish physician, discovers the anesthetic properties of chloroform. How do you imagine that went down, Russ? Mm, I feel like there was an accident. Uh, (laughs) Right? (laughs) uh, I feel like it was uh, one of those wonderful, unintentional discoveries uh, that had happened. And and in my mind, it it happened to him personally. That's kind of what I'm thinking. A little bit of a sniff, and uh, then he he hit the ground. That's that's how I'm thinking. (laughs) And I think in order for him to to realize that it wasn't an accident, and, you know, with any sort of good scientific thing, you have to repeat it. (laughs) So I imagine that multiple times. And then he unknowingly went to, you know, if it's one of us, like we're going to our friends now and we're, we're not telling them what's going to happen. <laughs> we're just, hey, try this out, see what happens. And oh man, that was uh, definitely an interesting time uh, in that man's day, I'm sure. <laughs> okay, fast forward a little bit. 1952, the United States government established the National Security Agency, Ooh. or what you know as the NSA. And uh, yeah, here we are. Here we are. Here we are. We're a, okay, we're a cool. secure uh, country and, uh, you know, we have a Scottish person to thank for something that we really only see used nefariously in films. So. <laughs> All right, let's get into the tech news here. This one, um, I just started laughing when I read it. So let me oh, share God. a good laugh with you. Tell me. Uh, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and TikTok were each fined $1.2 million by Turkey, the country, for failing to appoint a local representative as required by a new law. Again, it's just like, what? So just like the chloroform thing, my mind went crazy. Like, hey, guys, let's, you know, <laughs> we need to generate like $8 million in income. Let's create this law. <laughs> it's, it's a low enough fine that maybe they'll pay it. But also, I don't know if they're going to take us serious in this, but apparently they created a new law that says you have to have a local representative uh, in Turkey if you're going to participate in our internet. <laughs> does, it, does it say whether or not anyone has complied with, uh, with this law or order that's taking place? Are they getting their, their eight mil? Oh, oh, God, sorry. You've reached the free article limit on Bloomberg.com. I can't actually read it. $340 a year? 
$340 a year. Oh, oh, but I'm saving because it's $415 normally. <laughs> okay. I'd like to read that article to you, but I can't. Okay. Well, so. we'll, we'll make it work. You know what? I'm going to assume that it has not, has not been paid uh, <laughs> up until this point. And I'm also going to actually go out on a limb and say that they do not appoint representatives inside of Turkey. Uh, right. I'm going to I'm going to say they just they just sort of fight this one or they just ignore it and it doesn't end up the way Turkey wants it to. That's kind of the way I'm thinking. Yeah. Here, uh, here's somebody retweeting. So the news was YouTube, Twitter, Insta, Facebook, TikTok all said a big public no to Turkey's first required compliance measure <laughs> under its new law. <laughs> and somebody responds like, seems like the right move. <laughs> like, just, they just look around in their office and say, who wants to go live in Turkey so we can be yeah. on the internet there? <laughs> like, I don't. They probably on. just grab one of the people off of their platform. They're like, okay, you, your location says Turkey. You are now our representative there. This yeah. So, <laughs> and apparently under the law, if I'm reading this tweet right, the law designates that local representative who can later be arrested if the company fails to remove content critical of their leader. What? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, nope. no, no way this is getting enacted because no one is taking that job. This is the most ridiculous Turkey. Come on, man. Like, what is, what is this? This is awful. Oh, that's so terrible. Uh, it's just, I don't know, it's not going to work. We should do a segment of ridiculous laws passed against tech all over the world. I just imagine like they're they're in the workspace and this is me just in my mind back when people were together in the same office, but they're all like game planning because there's that one person they work with that like is down for anything, right? <laughs> and I imagine somebody like rolling their chair back, leaning out of the conference room and like, hey, Bob. He's <laughs> like, yeah, what you got? It's like, hang with me here, turkey. <laughs> He's like, come in. <laughs> Listen, I say this all the time. Like every now and then you come across this just awful, awful idea. And and that idea is never the fault of the of the person who came up with the idea. It's always the guy who was sitting next to him who looked over and said, yes, I also agree that this is a good idea. <laughs> that's Bob. And yeah. that's the problem that we need yes. to solve. Bob's like my dog who anytime I stand up at any point, you know, he could be dead asleep. If I stand up from my chair, he's on his feet and he's like amped and ready to go. He's like, where are we going? What are we doing? I'm in. You know, <laughs> Has no clue where he's going, no clue. but he's all in. 100%. I'm like, bro, I'm going to go get a drink out of the fridge. <laughs> Settle down. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I'm coming with you, dad. We're in it. We're in this together. <sighs> okay. That's what I had, man. That that was the funny one I wanted to start with. Oh, yeah. No, that was that was good. That was good. Okay. And so should we wrap? Um, we should just no. Just wrap. So let's <laughs> let's let's follow up on. So previously we got into a pretty deep argument, conversation, discussion point around um, you know, Uber and Lyft in California, right? There was a proposal. Ooh, that's right. Yeah, prop twenty two. Mm-hmm. And the state was looking to have those companies classify drivers as employees. Now, yep, I remember. Yeah, so Uber and Lyft just won um, the bid to keep drivers as contractors. So just following up on some old news for y'all there, in case you were curious how that might pan out. One uh, as in as in this move to the ballot. Meaning it was like yes. this was no longer this was not yep. a court case. This was this had moved to its sort of final 
uh, area where it becomes a proposition and, and is voted on in, in the election series. So my question is, is do people read those or do they just kind of click yes and move forward because they were trying to vote for whoever their presidential candidate was? Like, was this ever not going to get passed? Like, I'm wondering, did people genuinely look at the details Dude, of this? Because I don't know where people stand on this. I really don't as far as the general population. And I guess the vote tells us they stand with the you know Uber and Lyft. But yeah, I want to say I read that 90, let's see, 58%. Of the okay. ballots were cast in, in in favor of leaving them as contractors. So, right, so people read it. Oh, maybe that's like a flip of a coin. Like some people said yes, some people said no. Some people felt like they were in a good mood that day, and they're like Prop Twenty Two. Yeah, some people were like Prop Twenty Two. <laughs> hell no. <laughs> that's certainly possible. I guess with that, I, I it, well, it clearly shows that it's not. It is not a black and white. Uh, sort of situations there's definitely people on on both sides of it there's even drivers yeah. that are on both sides of it yeah so i think it, right. it's it's pretty interesting to see uh you know just how that is the case and and really what this means because there was a big concern uh, i think i saw this in the wall street journal earlier in the week whenever this was they were talking about the fact that this was coming up and they were stating that it was it had such huge implications not just in california which is where this was passed but where, how this would be affected potentially all over the world because they felt like it would create this ripple effect. And there are apparently a yeah. couple other states, not, none as major as, as California in regards to sort of their relevance to, to Uber and Lyft because I think they, they get a lot of their business out of California. But there are some other states that were are p- proposing the same type of thing. Um, where they need to give these uh, drivers different rights or treat them as traditional employees and, and things like that. So yeah, uh, there's definitely more that will come from this, but I think that this will set a precedent potentially for uh, for Uber and Lyft to be able to keep operating, at least similarly yeah. to the way they were before. I know they've already made some changes, uh, which is probably for the best in general. Yeah, so, likely. I don't know what you're referring to, but... Yeah, sure. Well, th- there's there's um, a situation where if you they, drive 15 hours a week, like they'll provide you like medical benefits or something oh. along those lines, which they had already made that change. Well, uh, that's interesting because the whole purpose of Prop 22 was if you were classified as a an employee, then you would have employee rights like minimum wage, unemployment benefits, health insurance, all that kind of stuff. So I guess yeah. they're kind of trying to handle that a little bit. They, I'm sure there's more stipulations around getting it, but it exists. And at least according to the Wall Street Journal, it exists in some way, shape, or form. So, Okay. Yeah. Cool. Let's uh, let's go on to the next one. Um, I thought this one was kind of funny. I don't know if y'all followed the hustle. Uh, I do. I subscribe to their newsletter. This is not sponsored. This is just me sharing, <laughs> you know. This is that's there's a mic in front of my face. So uh, they have some little snippets at the bottom, and some of them are pretty funny. This one, Reef Technology, somehow not a cannabis company, raised $700 million for its parking <laughs> lot technology. Uh, yeah, what? So they raised $700 million to remake parking lots. I feel like I have to ask the same question. Did the yeah. people who gave them the money, did they read past the headline or past the title of the company? Like, Did they think they're investing in a weed company? I, I don't know. I mean, man. I don't know. Well, what no. is it that parking lots are lacking today that they need seven hundred million dollars to to sort of add? Does does it give us any information as to what it I, is I that that Reef does? Yeah, man. I'm. I mean, I'm kind of scanning this article. I don't see anything worth seven hundred million dollars. But my goodness, man. 
I mean, the coolest thing from a parking perspective is, you know, those ones where, I mean, it's, you can see the big signs that say, Hey, there's seven open spots on this lot. Right. Yeah. And then no, those are great at airports. light over the top that says, Hey, yeah, go park here. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Look into it if you want. But the other one, one of the <laughs> other ones that they had want, <laughs> look into it if you want reef technology, R E E F. Uh, the other one that they had, it's possible to thread electrodes through your veins to connect your brain to a computer now. What? Yes. Yeah. So they've oh, now proven connecting directly to a computer. Yeah. Electrodes I've, I've, I've threaded. That, <laughs> that, that, that transition happened long ago. You can, you can, that's ask what happens life. every morning. I get my breakfast, my coffee, and I come sit at my computer <laughs> and I just jack right into my veins and I flip on zoom and boom. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't this the plot to an 80s movie? I feel like there's at least a couple of them. Uh, electrodes, the case. electrodes threaded through blood vessels let people control gadgets with their mind. Does it hurt? I No. No. There's no pain in anything. Uh, mm, hmm. Okay. Kidding. I don't know. <laughs> <sighs> well, so... Um, Surprise, surprise, the FDA hasn't approved it yet. I was going to say, is is this happening like in some remote, like third world country where they're testing on humans? Or is this actually happening here locally in the U.S. and like everything, everyone's cool with it? No, it's it's happening. It's happening. Okay. Um, So (laughs) one of the quotes in here, they've got them controlling Windows 10 with their brains, their electrodes in their veins. So you just, you just think... Like you say to yourself, like, okay, so you're playing Counter-Strike, right? And you're doing it hands-free because you got the electrodes per, like pursing through your veins. And you just say, okay, you know, op shot, headshot that no, dude. I, I think it's more me. like, I think it's more like open file explorer or show desktop or right click. I don't think yeah. it's <laughs> sprint around this corner and toss a grenade. Wait a minute. Hold on. People still do that with their computers. Okay. never mind. I, I must have a, it's a, it's a use case issue that I'm, I'm, I'm struggling. There with. you go. Yeah. 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 No, yeah. go read about it. It's on Ars Technica. Um, so I, I, I want to bring us back for a moment because I was okay, perusing please. that same article on reef, the, the non weed company that likes parking lots. Okay. So and you read it. I, I read, I, I found a snippet that I actually thought was interesting. It says, as Reef raises money for expansion, it's tapping into a new theory of urban development embraced by mayors from Amsterdam to Tempe, Arizona, calling for a 15-minute city. The idea being that one where the amenities needed for a comfortable urban existence are no more than 15 minutes away. So that's kind of the idea of, I guess, I, I have no idea what that means from the parking lot perspective, but it must, there must be a market segment that is around optimizing what it is that you can do within urban areas within 15 minutes. And parking okay. lots certainly would be a part of that because people drive their cars and need to park in parking lots and whatever that might be. So I, I have a feeling that maybe that's like, hey, you can go to this place and it's 13 minutes away, but it's going to take you four minutes to find a parking space. So you may need to go to this place that's 14 minutes away that gives you one minute to find a parking space. <laughs> like that's that's the math problem that I just worked out in my head. Like that's I don't know that's what's coming. It's, it's after five o'clock, um, and I didn't sleep much last night. But it sounds like somebody was on the reef when they wrote this article because <laughs> <laughs> this doesn't make any sense. It, I I just made it make sense. It's hang fine. with me, guys. Seven hundred yeah. million dollars to park your car. I'm not saying 700 million was worth it. I'm just pointing out that that's the direction that the money is going. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Everything. Let's move fine. along. 
Yeah, everything's fine. <laughs> it's far from fine. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, what else you got? Um, let's see. What else do we have? Uh, so I saw a good one here. Oh, this see? is um, so we've we've talked a little bit about the development of augmented reality, and yes, it, we have. it is certainly an area where I am beyond fascinated. What's cool is there was an article published a couple of days ago on CNBC about sports leagues that are betting on the development of this. Betting is probably the wrong word when you're going to start an article that says sports leagues betting. I would agree. You know, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't. Yeah. Hey, uh, Jabari Young, uh, let's write a better article title. (laughs) Anyway, uh, so they're basically they're partnering with the leaders and there's, there's a number of people developing AR glasses, but. When, when AR glasses get to the level that it, it works, right? There's all kinds of really cool technology that they're already injecting. The stuff that you see on TV, right? With like uh, Major League Baseball's Hawkeye stats tracking stuff, yep. right? When you can, mm-hmm. you know, see a ball flight trajectory and how far it lands and, and you know, speed off the bat and all this kind of stuff, right? Spin of the ball, whatever. Right. Um, you got the ability to sit in the stands and see this stuff, Real time, right? So, I mean, it's it's very movie theater esque, uh, or not movie theater, but like um, sci fi kind of esque, right. right? Where you're you're looking at stuff and getting these you know digital feeds into your eyes, the stats of things that are happening around you. Very very cool, um, and it's happening across all of the the major league um, industries, the major league sports. So, yeah, I think, think that's. Yeah, I think it's awesome because it reminds me, it makes me think of this. It's an old Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. It's not that old. I guess it's uh, early 2000s. Uh, I can't remember the name of it. There was a scene where the XFL was showcased, ironically. So the first time the XFL was around, I think we're now in our third rendition of it. And uh, they, the quarterback who ended up getting uh, just pummeled on a play sees all this data like on his visor of things that are going on around him uh, uh, different players and i'm thinking of like sitting in the stands i've, I've one sort yeah. of joke about this and i have one actual real thing the joke side of it is i'm thinking to myself like okay now i can see his stats like what is his madden rating as i'm at an nfl game r- yeah. holding over the player as we're looking to see these different things and i think there's really cool fun things you can do with that the other side of this is if i think about people like even my dad who he, we used to, we'd go to cowboy games, professional sporting events, just in general. And he actually started to prefer the at home experience. And I think a lot of other people have as well. And in particular, he, he liked the replays and, and just getting the stats and just all the stuff that the TV broadcast gives you that, that you don't actually get uh, at a live sporting event. And so I feel like this augmented reality piece here, where if you're, you're wearing your movie theater, 3d glasses can sort of, you know, quote unquote, augment that and provide the same type of experience. I could see that being very, very compelling for, for a lot of people to, they want to get a different amount of information as it goes into some of this stuff. Like they make some crazy play, you know, and we see them say that play had a 3.7% chance of being successful and stuff like that. So now all of a sudden you have a better context for how awesome it was. If you maybe didn't understand what had just happened. So I, I think there's a lot there that they can work with. And I'm just looking forward to seeing it develop. Well, there's a ton of stuff, man. Like, I'm thinking, uh, you know, NFL running back wide receiver or something like if I'm, if I, if I'm there and I've got my AR stuff on, I can see the speed of the runner, right? Yeah. Or somebody gets a, gets a sack and it's like achievement unlocked 100th career sack or something like that. It just kind of pops up for this person. It's uh it's pretty cool, man. 
in in somewhat related news, um, there's a big trend going on where quote unquote big tech, and this was in the Wall Street Journal today, big tech snags Hollywood talent to pursue enhanced reality. Right. So uh, think about like uh, you know the the artists creating blockbusters like Avatar. Mm-hmm. They're now shifting into the big tech industry as we develop these virtual worlds for us to live and work in. It's an interesting trend, man. Uh, it is an interesting trend uh, in particular because I think I, I didn't, I guess I didn't think about what you meant by that. So you're saying they're getting this talent to help transition us into like, I don't know, a, a number player of one type of world. Is that what you're mm-hmm. saying? Yeah, well, it's a number of different things, right? So it's, um, you know, mass user adoption of AR and VR, right? So it's tangentially related to what we've been talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, I mean, it's not without all the other like, uh, you know, Zooms and and whatnot, right, that are creating uh, kind of these, these virtual worlds that we are living and working in now, right? Yeah, it's just incredibly interesting to see kind of what what comes of that just because the I'm wondering, I I guess I'm not seeing why the Hollywood talent side of this is relevant. Like there's gotta be an angle that I'm missing. If you're, if you're, if you're looking at any of kind of the leading edge of uh, stuff like this, there's, there's companies that are being created that just create a a 3d rendering of you, right? For a virtual world, you have, you create a digital copy of yourself to exist in the virtual business world. Sure. Right. That talent has to come from somewhere. Well, let's go get the people that, uh, you know, did the latest star Wars movie or that did avatar or. Okay. Okay. You know, I think in my mind, I thought you meant actors. Um, Oh no, no, not actors. Yeah. So which, which by the way, we use actors in video games all the time to get more realistic movements and uh, to, to act out scenes that are digitally translated. Like that's actually very common. So I was envisioning that and I'm like, well, how does that work? Like, are you, are they trying to make NPCs that are out there in the world and, and try and, I don't know, drive something around that angle. So no, that that makes way more sense. Yeah. It seems like it's mostly around, I mean, you saw how like memojis and stuff kind of took off and Mm -hmm. whatnot. I mean, maybe, maybe you saw that, but that's, um, there's the just this whole concept of creating a, a digital copy, a, a digital twin, a digital version of yourself that is represented in the digital business world. And there's a race to get there and have it have it be um, you know, well received. Whenever you step into these VR worlds, the first thing that you're going to really look at and connect with are going to be the people that are represented there digitally. Yeah, I, I wonder in this is maybe just me being childish, like it's difficult for me to take yes. some of that serious <laughs> in, until it's very photorealistic. Like when I think of like the stuff that we have today, they yeah. look like the things off of Nintendo, right? It's like super basic yeah. uh, sort of things. Now, if it's photorealistic and it actually looks like if I, if I go into this and say, like I'm using V spatial for instance, and I walk into a meeting room and then it's like, Hey, look, there's Aaron Bewley. And I actually see Troy Aikman. Like that makes a lot of sense. To me. <laughs> <laughs> Got him. Dude, when I was a, when I was a waiter, I would get that all the stinking time. I believe it. it. Yeah. Weird. It was weird. It's not weird. It's true. Yep. Podcast hosted by uh, Zuckerberg and Aikman. That's right. Zuckerberg and yeah. Aikman. It's yeah. a match no, made but, I mean, it's happening, right? And, you know, had a conversation today even where 
and you mentioned this on the podcast previously, where the the 2025 is being pulled into 2022, right? 2030 is being pulled into 2025. And and I know people are going to bristle at this or they're going to be like, yeah, not really, you know, probably not, whatever, but it's happening. I mean, I'm telling it, you, it, it is happening. happening 100%. I, I, I agree holistically. I've seen it. Um, I have seen from a business level, which is obviously what you and I deal with every day with other, you know, we work in sort of a B2B space. It is a, <clears throat> I have seen stuff just accelerate beyond belief on initiatives that don't make a lot of sense. I've seen customers make investments in, in certain areas of the business, significant investments 12 to 18 months ago that are completely pivoting away as if those investments did not exist. And and that is not something that would have been done in a normal time. And that shaves two, three years off of a timeline of getting to a different point. So uh, there's definitely uh, factors at play here that are making, you know, decision-making paradigm shift a lot. Yeah. Okay. I've been mostly goofy on this show. It's the end of the day. It's been a long day. You got any yeah. serious news or do you want to just keep being goofy? Uh, let me see. Serious. I got one that would probably be good if Tyler was here, but uh, it's interesting that the right to repair um, vehicle data access requirement uh, is is sort of being enacted. And I don't know the details of it, but I know they're trying to expand the right to repair law in Massachusetts, which uh, I think that's what something that, that... Right to well, repair vehicle data access requirement initiative is on the ballot? Yeah. That's, so that's one question that was Looks on like the ballot. Yes. They did vote yes. percent said yes. Yeah, they did vote yes to be able to do this. Uh, and so the idea was requiring manufacturers that sell vehicles with uh, telematics systems in Massachusetts to equip them with a standardized open data platform beginning with the model year 2022. So I think, you know, when you think of that, the idea of open data platform, like this is, this is for <clears throat> different things that we traditionally don't have access to, like systems to run diagnostic data, yeah. uh, retrieve mechanical data. And you, know, you would think of these as maybe even proprietary in nature to these vehicles yeah. because cars have been, and yeah, I, I have, I have friends or I have, I have a, a friend in particular who worked in, he, he sort of bought and fixed up cars and resold them. That's what he did for the better part of a decade. And he was very good at it. Very successful. Yeah, he's not reselling them. <laughs> Say that again. <laughs> yeah. He's not reselling them. I'm just not reselling them. <laughs> You're just, you they're just them in the grudge. Head. Sorry, Joanna. Um, and, and so his business actually <clears throat> sort of started to, as I say, sort of, he's transitioned out of that business altogether because he couldn't maintain doing that because these things were so difficult uh, or incapable of being repaired. It was a lot of, you know, we will just replace this and ask to go through the manufacturer. So yeah. I've seen this affect people. I think we've seen this in a lot of other sort of consumer areas where things have been very, very difficult to just fix, uh, which yeah. is why I mentioned it would be right up Tyler's alley because he is a fixer of things. So oh, for sure. Th- that was just very interesting to me to see this. I'll be curious to see if we see this opened up in other areas as we kind of talked on the last show about uh, someone who I play Counter-Strike with sort of was very happy about the proprietary nature with which a lot of things are going. And that sort of, in many respects, makes companies apprehensive to allow the right to repair and do stuff like yeah. that because it may expose their IP, which is, is makes perfect sense. So yeah. I'll be interested to see if this has a, a, a wider reaching effect, but it caught my eye just because of uh, the nature of that having been going away over the last maybe five to 10 years. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm for it, dude. I, you know, few things opened my eyes to an industry more than when I started to learn about cars and mm-hmm. how to repair them. Um, anything from a timing belt to brake pads to, 
you know, brake fluid and oil changes, whatever, right? And the extreme markup that there is, and I get it, it's a service industry. Sure. Fine. You know, if you don't want to do it, then don't go. But, you know, I, I certainly, you know, just for my own kids' personal responsibility, I'm going to do everything I can to at least teach them so that way they feel like they have the ability to save money by buying a, a $20 part, putting it on themselves rather than going pay $300 for anyway, whatever. Yeah. It, it's funny because you say that and, and I feel like a lot of people don't recognize the margins that exist within business and they make accept, uh, like assumptions, but just go look at <clears throat> the, you know, public <laughs> public companies, like they disclose this information. It may surprise you that not every business runs on a 1% margin. Like I hear that all the time. Like, yeah, but they, they operate in mass and they sell this at a margin of 1%. No, they don't. Um, and so <clears throat> it's interesting to see people's eyes open to the way uh, some margins trend in, in a lot of different areas. Services, of course, can be, can be high, uh, especially on the consumer side for things that most people don't have the ability to fix. And in the vein of things being broken, this is it actually isn't broken, but a lot of people thought they were. So I, I recently got a new phone, Google Pixel 5. And if you go on Reddit, uh, which is basically where you can find any problem about anything that exists, because that's, that's what people take to Reddit. Uh, you'll think that there is a huge issue going on with the display because there is this sort of uniform gap uh, around the entire display. And, and my phone actually s- exhibits this as well. Some phones have in a certain corner slightly more gap than the rest of it. It's I'm, We're talking millimeters. I mean, it's very, very, very small. But nonetheless, it exists and it looks a little unsettling. Turns out this is not a defect. This is a normal part of the design, uh, and one person gave an answer to this who was kind of breaking it down, that it seemed to be a design in particular around trying to maintain the integrity of the display if it was dropped. So it's it's not directly sitting on the edge of the phone. It's almost, you, you can act, it acts as almost like a shock absorber as it could kind of press down. So I thought that was an interesting way for them to go about it. I run a case on my phone, so you, you just can't. You can't even tell. I can't see it. But I did check for it when I got my phone. And it was there. So if you have a Pixel 5, especially uh, pretty popular in Europe this year, so for any of those European listeners that we have, uh, know that your display gap is normal and expected part of design, and it does not affect its IP resistance rating. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Ingress protection. If uh, you haven't listened to our previous shows where we talk about IP ratings, that's what it is. Um, Keeping dust and water out. Yeah, so, cool. Fun fact. Um, okay, dude. So let me give you a little Starlink update on performance and whatnot. Ooh, but, I want to. Uh, I want to hear it. Give it to me. Boom. Beta testers are impressed. This is on TechSpot.com. Uh, came out today. They are impressed with the internet speeds on the new service. Not perfect, but better than expected. So let me read uh, these two paragraphs here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but basically, they are getting anywhere from a hundred to. 203 was on the high side megs down and around 50 to 33 megs up okay right which was which was less than what they wanted right they wanted upload speeds between 50 and 150 right so certainly acceptable where they are at the moment yeah yeah uh let's see uh are they giving one user in yeah so latency numbers between 20 to 45 milliseconds so it's far better than expected. Yeah, it, it was in line with their estimates, which is good. So their downloads and uh, latency was in line. Uploads was uh, lower than expected. One user in Idaho reported that connections dropped every two to three minutes in games and video calls um, were felt, you know, it was pretty common 
So, hmm. um, and then they, they went on to say a possible explanation for that getting dropped is the fact that Starlink's uh, constellation, which is interesting that they call it that, currently has around 800 satellites, right? Which you'd think, man, that's a lot of satellites, right? right. To, they used to, to have one of those Garmin, though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They have to cover the planet. Um, and we're talking about internet speeds, not just like GPS coordinate coordinates, right? Yep. You used to have one of those Garmin watches and it's like, we're trying to connect to at least seven of 15 satellites that we have, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, Starlink is talking 800 satellites right now, and it's a low number compared to what they want to get to, which is 12,000 that SpaceX wants to build. And, and Do they have up. a timeline? Mm, I don't is know. Is it like Probably we want 12,000 by 2025, 2030? It doesn't say. I'm sure we could look that up, but mm. uh, it doesn't say here in the article. Well, we can ask Elon. Yeah, and then the it um, the bigger problem upfront cost of the terminal is five hundred dollars. Um, so that's a that's a what what the article says is a hurdle. But uh, five hundred dollars you're saying for like to get it installed in your home for, for the hearing? terminal? Yeah, yeah. That's not that's not for like whatever monthly costs are. Right. So we it's just, just it's two hundred dollars more than what a installation fee was. <laughs> five years ago for right. internet access. Exactly. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. I was going to say, yeah. it, I don't know that I would call that a bigger problem. Yeah. I, I mean, I, obviously I would call the, the constant disconnection. High, yeah. yeah. The constant disconnection every two to three minutes for a couple of users, that would be the big problem. Yeah. 100%. Getting booted off of Zoom every three minutes. And, and that number will come down, that, that $500 oh, for sure. number. Like they, they want it high right now to deter people from just killing the, the, whatever it is, the service. Yeah. So, but what are your thoughts on, because every time I talk about Starlink, I happen to come across uh, pictures on Twitter of people taking um, extended exposure, night sky stuff, and you just get like streaks of satellites. And there was one that somebody posted from the Hubble Space Telescope, mm-hmm. which is apparently in, I did not realize this. I figured it would be outside of the Starlink constellation. And I don't know if this is, if this is Starlink, but it was one of the satellites that was up there streaked across in front of the uh, Hubble Space Telescope as it was taking some deep photos. What are, what are your yeah. thoughts on that? I, I my initial thought is is I I think it's a problem because I I want us to be able to continue to explore and learn from outside of our planet. And I I if we keep <laughs> the more satellites we throw up, obviously the more they will impede our ability to to put eyes on that. So we either need to come up with another solution to doing what science needs to do or hopefully, you know, and create transparent and invisible satellites. I, I don't want to be in a situation where we <laughs> we'll create a new through. atmosphere of satellites yeah. for the planet. That's what yeah. I don't want to see happen. Sure. Yeah. Or just move the space telescopes out farther. Right. I, I mean, that, like I said, that's a, that's a solution that's potentially, but I'm certain that there's something you and I don't understand about the implications of just moving the space satellite out further. Oh, so. make no mistake. There's plenty <laughs> I don't understand. There's plenty. There's plenty. Uh, I will be, I would, I'll be interested to see this. Uh, I myself, uh, that latency does, is not what I want in my life. Um, even though I think it sounds really good just in general yeah. for what it's doing. Yeah. I need it lower. I need negative latency. So that's what I need you to bring to me. Elon, predict the future a little bit. So talk to me about the difference though. Starlink versus 5G. Like, I mean, these are these are totally different directions. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, does is one going to, you know, invalidate the other? Uh 
I don't think so necessarily. I'm thinking of my desktop that I'm sitting at right now that I'm 35 miles from Dallas and I ping four to it. Yeah. So, you know, like that's, and that's phenomenal by the way, like that's right. mo- most of the time you're looking at probably 10 to 15 for a lot of people that have just regular internet access. So, uh, the, the ping level is insane. Like I, whenever I connect to a server in Chicago and my buddy in Minnesota is connecting to a server in Chicago, we have the same, same ping or mine might be one or two milliseconds lower at times. So hmm. I, I'm looking and that's in the mid to low twenties, by the way. So that's, that's the type of stuff where I don't want to add an additional 40 to 60 in order to use Starlink for the things that I, you know, oftentimes use computers for, but it's incredibly usable for the 99th percentile of people um, out there. And so that's, uh, that's all it is. And in 5g to me is uh, I, I think it's a slightly different use case. I think that's probably, especially depending on which version you're looking at five millimeter wave. So going to be for machines more often than not. Uh, and then kind of the, the lower frequencies will be, for humans, and it will basically be the same experience I think most of us get in really good 4G areas. So I don't think yeah. that's going to make a, a dramatic difference. There's personal yeah, opinion. I think you're right. I think yeah. you're right. I think the Starlink's going to be uh, option B, right? I think Starlink will be great. Yeah, for the people who are out in the middle of nowhere and they can't get land. I mean, even my dad. Right. So my dad lives in Allen, a highly populated area of North DFW, and he struggles to get good internet access in Allen. He would be a perfect candidate to get Starlink if yeah. if if it made sense for him. So I, that's yeah. that's the type of person that I think it will help dramatically. Sure. Whenever you just are you're in an area that, uh, ironically, a lot of more developed areas don't have good access because they're already very developed. So that's that's the problem uh, that that Starlink can solve, and I think is a, a really big opportunity for them. Okay. All right, man. Um, I think I ran through. Uh most of the things I wanted to talk about. You got anything else? Uh, I don't have anything super crazy. Uh, Call of Duty is big and it's going to be even bigger on next-gen hardware. So we're talking like 250 gigs maybe. So it, if you don't have fast internet, uh, you may want to look into Starlink. <laughs> so uh, yeah, games are getting big and uh, game streaming is becoming a thing, which uh, means that big games are now going to be streamed. Uh, the internet needs to be more robust really what it comes down to. I so actually we saw that for other things in general. Yeah. So Forbes um, just posted two days ago, the five biggest cloud computing trends in 2021. And that was one of them. It was um, cloud gaming. Oh that yeah. One of, that's one it's of five, year, Forbes man. five biggest. Yeah. So that's it's, interesting. It's, it's 250 interesting. Gigs? 250 gigs, dude. Yeah. What? It's fine. Cause you know, I got five How? terabytes of flash in my. Uh, Most computers computer cannot even come close to handling that. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely not. But I, I would say the majority of computers that can run Call of Duty can. Um, the issue, I think, for most people will come down to whether or not their SSD has enough space on it. Because a lot of people still buy like a, a, a smaller SSD, 256 gigs, up to maybe one terabyte. And then yeah. they have a, a massive, you know, eight terabyte hard drive. I have four SSDs in mind. So like I'm an outlier in regard to that, but it's, <laughs> it's so, so I think most, most people that will take up, you know, at minimum 25% of their, of their space. So yeah. that definitely is For a problem. If, if you're someone who keep but you know, a lot of people also, and I have friends who do this, like big time gamers who keep three games installed on their computer. 
And that's fine for them because maybe they have time to go download games and play them whenever they do. But whenever, as you know, you're a dad, you kind of got to keep your systems at the ready, which is why I have so many SSDs in my computer. I keep everything installed and updated at all times. So when I get that hour to play, I jump in and I'm ready to go. And that's a problem that cloud, cloud streaming is actually solving for a lot of people who haven't gone through or to ridiculous links like myself in order to keep those things running. They don't have to when they log on to Stadia. You know, you log on to Stadia, yep. the game's already updated, and you're just you're just good to go. Yeah, so, that's what they're saying. It's yeah. just going to be like music and movies, right? Gaming. It's oh, yeah, all going to be sure. it's all going to be cloud gaming eventually. Huh. So, well, since I brought up the five biggest cloud computing trends, I'd feel bad if I didn't mention the huh? other four. Yeah. But if you want to go to Forbes.com and read it, uh, I'll, I'll mention the other one. So, number one, multi-cloud approaches will lead to a breakdown of barriers between providers. I think those of us in the data center business can say, "Amen." Um, yep. Yes, that's happening. Number two, AI will improve the efficiency and speed of cloud computing. Uh, number three was the gaming one. Gaming will be increasingly delivered from the cloud, just like music and movies. Number four, hybrid and on-premise. Mm, they forgot the S. For Ooh, shame, Forbes.com. Oh, oh no. <sighs> Premise hybrid, is not a place. <laughs> hybrid and on-premises cloud solutions grow in popularity. We fixed it for you. Kind of like number one, but yep. Uh, number five, more of us will be working on virtual cloud desktops. Ooh. Mm. The That's year of VDI. That's the year of VDI. Okay. <laughs> I think we got to end this, man. I think so too. Oh, that was good. Uh, you want to shut it down? I don't yeah, even know what I'll Tyler shut it down. says. Uh, I don't know what Tyler says either. So I'm going to go with what I say. So thank you, everyone. That brings us to another close of an episode of uh, Tech Breakfast Podcast. This has been fun. It's way better when Tyler is not here to interrupt Bewley, uh, although I do enjoy that from time to time. Uh, no, it's it's been great. Tyler will be on the next one. Uh, thank you for joining. Like Bewley said, smash that like button. Give us a rating. Uh, we do have a Patreon. And, you know, we don't understand why so many of you listen to us. So if you want to provide feedback, we would love to hear it. And, and yeah, I don't get do it. Better. So, I don't yeah, get it. Absolutely. So thanks for joining. We'll talk to you all later. <laughs> Bye. Bye.